You're listening to Remote Possibilities, a podcast on the intersection of technology, society, and education, brought to you by MarketScale. Now here's your host, Kevin Hogan. Okay, with me today is Angela Myers. Angela is co-founder of Choose to Matter, a universal movement that challenges us to make mattering a way of life. She has been creating and leading change in both education and enterprise for 31 years, teaching at every level of school, from grade school to graduate school, and consulting with companies around the world. It was her talk at TEDx Des Moines uh, that has been viewed hundreds of thousands of times uh, over the years. Uh, Choose to Matter is an organization that offers presentations, live and virtual workshops, and live innovation events to schools, organizations, businesses, and communities. And Angela, they, those were in person, right? <laughs> and now I guess you're, yes. we're back here to a little bit of our yes. virtual worlds. Yes. Uh, thank yes. you so much for taking the time. It was great to catch up with you in one of those virtual spaces yes. uh, a couple weeks ago <laughs> and was thinking about you and, and wanting to have you on Remote Possibilities for no other reason than, um, you know, the conversations and the books that you've written and the presentations that you give, I kind of would like to say that you were into social emotional learning before it was cool, right? <laughs> before it became uh, came, right. came here to the top of 2020. Right. Give, give us a little bit of background <laughs> of your of your work, uh, which which yeah. what I like to call BP before the pandemic. Before the pandemic, I my work has been in um, what I call I've made up a new field and a new title for myself. I'm a humanologist meaning that I'm bringing not just one science, even though my background is neuroscience, I'm bringing the sciences of anthropology and psychology and sociology together because I, I am a, an advocate for human triumph. And so when you look at how to study human behavior, whether that's in the context of learning or the context of innovation or the context of the world, um, how do we tap into what humans are capable of and help them with frameworks to move forward? So I've been doing that work for 35 years. And at the core of that, it sounds so simplistic, is that in order for humans to take even the beginning first step is they have to acknowledge and know that they matter. And so many people take that as like an inspiration message. I'm not telling you you matter because I wanna inspire you, I wanna motivate you. I'm telling that to you to remind you that that is not only our deepest human truth, but it is our responsibility to own that, to take care of that, to recognize that worthy is a worthiness is a daily practice. It's not something you just stumble upon. And I've been doing that work, the practice of worthiness, both for individuals and for organizations for three decades. And it just sort of all comes down and succincts around these two amazing words, you matter. Well, it's almost like you've been um, practicing for this moment your whole career, right? <laughs> I mean, it, when you talk about, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a daily question <laughs> I ask myself when I wake yeah. up in the morning now, and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting yeah. in a place of privilege, right? I mean, when you look at this, right. I mean, there's so many different we all are. existential yeah crises that are occurring all at yeah. once but let me try to keep you focused us uh, yes. that's a job <laughs> that's quite a job but specifically you know with the title of of the series being remote possibilities amongst amongst all the traumas all the various traumas that uh 
uh, families are dealing with. Um, it's this uh, it's this disruptive shift to remote learning. You know, both back when it happened to everyone in March, and now everyone's dealing with it to a varying degree. Whether I mean, there's certainly um, too many kids who are still out of school. Uh, the hybrid. Uh, uh, me as a parent, I'm dealing with the hybrid situation, um, which is you know less than optimal, but better than all remote, um, as long as they're they're being safe. And then even having kids back in school, there's still some new dynamics for using remote technologies for learning. Can you talk a little bit about um, how your work um, can help those? Um, dealing with these transitions? Yes, absolutely. So I, I've i always believed, I, I guess, until I watched the social network on Netflix recently, that technology is neutral. And it is our intention behind it and our use of it. And the deepest use of technology since the beginning of time is to advance humanity. And if you look at what humanity is going through, the issues and challenges that we've never seen before, including the new advancement of technologies as a sort of response to this, um, the two ingredient components of what produce hopelessness are despair and helplessness. And if you can attack those straight on and provide sort of anecdotes for that, helping teachers especially, because I've been doing a lot of work with teachers and school leaders, helping them understand that even though the situation is um, unprecedented, that the hope lies in who we are at our core, and we have a chance to show that. I have believed since I started in education 35 years ago that we are purveyors of hope. We don't just deliver content we deliver hope we step up and into it every day and just because there's a screen between us and our kids between us and our families does not mean that we were not still placed at this moment at this time in the exact right place on the other side of the screen and so if we look at technology through the lens of how do we not only decrease despair and helplessness how do we take back the power we've always had which is the relationship we've had with kids. That is the most indispensable part of education, something that cannot be touched, something that cannot be um, outsourced or resourced. It is our linchpin, our relationship with our kids. So how do we then take that into a virtual space? And that's really what I've been um, honing down on, like connection before content. And how do we increase intimacy and what are the new evolutions and the tools from breakout rooms to um, integrations with other platforms like Mural and Google Slides and all of that? How do we take this moment to reinforce to kids that we are still there, that we are showing up every day hopeful and fierce and brave, and that we are going to get through this together? And, and to do that in a strategic way. This doesn't, again, happen accidentally. Um, we can teach these skills of helpfulness. So, and like, this is just a very small session that I did actually yesterday with 180 teacher leaders. And there's so much they feel out of their control. I feel like it's my mission to show them what is in their control. 
So we just took a moment and we audited our space, like thought about the importance of space and place. Everything from our background to our lighting, to the angle of our camera, to the the highlight and focus of our smiles with each other, the ability to like use gallery view even and feel like we're in a room together. And we made these like small adjustments. We like coached each other, like, hey, move your camera this way. And if you turn the lighting this way, and if you show, you know, lift up your computer screen two inches. And it was unbelievable the energy that changed in the room. And my point in doing that small exercise is that we are in far more control than we give ourselves credit for. And we control the connections, we control the words that are spoken, we control the time that we spend with kids and how we use it. And when you recognize that those moves that we make, those conscious moves that we make are not only just small adjustments, have profound impact and give us hope, then then you really start seeing the needle move out of hopelessness into hopefulness. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting that um, how you how you say that because interviewing both district leaders in the spring and uh, executives in the ed tech space, the, the number of surprises kind of came out of that grand experiment. You know, a lot of people have looked back on it and seen it as a complete failure. Some of the districts that I've spoken to consider the fact that they just got the kids connected at all and gave them a sense of right. safety and and closeness right. um, was a success. And that was all you could do. Forget about COVID slide, right? right? Forget about That's your right. state standards. Forget about right. having to, to... Forget about assessments and being, you know, like, what is that called? Where the principal comes in and analyzes what the teacher's doing? What are Yeah, or like, called? yeah, the, 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 the um, professional development, yeah. uh, you know, yes. Yeah. And so... That yes. you can use these technologies, and and there's one district out in Southern California where the the tech director uh, Jenneth uh, said to me, she's like, our community actually came closer together by being apart. Yes. So school yes. board meetings on Zoom, yes, they were awkward, yep. but there's a certain intimacy there that removes the dynamic yeah. of being at a usual school board meeting, which can be awful, right? right. Uh, right. For me individually, I've had a lot. Uh, well, back to school night was was virtual, and it it was yeah. downright pleasant to have yes. conversations yes. and not be sitting in a yeah. tiny desk with forty five other people. You know, at seven o'clock at night, and you haven't had That's dinner. Right. So, um, are you seeing that sort of um, these sort of things? Yes, a hundred percent. And you think they'll lock in it once uh, all this madness ends? I think they lock in with very specific practice and training. Hope is a skill you learn and designing experiences that provide not just engagement, that provide um, deepness, intimacy, connection, um, all of that is skilled practice. And I, I've been online since 1990, so I not only feel comfortable as a speaker, feel comfortable as a facilitator of hundreds of workshops, but felt really comfortable online. And so I've taken this time where I'm not traveling to do a really deep dive into what level of facilitation and knowledge do you need? What kind of sophistication do you have to have in terms of choosing the right, like understanding everything from how the number of people to the time that you spend to what the focus is, to what the objective is. It's an entirely different game 
of lesson planning, if you will, because you're an experienced designer. And so I know that's another thing added to our plate. You're an educator, you're, you know, you're uh, a, a nurse, you're a healer, you're all of these things, but you have to be a designer of experience. And we've talked about that a little in education, but the piece that's missing is the recognition of how much the environment impacts the space and place and context of where you learn. Like I said to teachers the other day, you don't just show up at eight, you know, five minutes to eight when the students come in on day one, you're there weeks ahead, preparing the environment, preparing your room, thinking about, should I put this chair there? Should I put that? You can't just turn on a virtual background of, you know, some exotic island and think that those elements don't impact. You have to be more conscious of it. So yes, I have huge hope, but I worry that teachers aren't getting this kind of new research, this kind of science, this kind of guidance in crafting. They're just being asked to just flip on a switch and turn on a camera and hope that all these things fall in place when that's not the case yeah. at all. So talk a little bit about the industry's responsibility to enabling things like this to happen. Um, yeah, I think it is an urgent leadership issue and the challenge because I work across industries. So my deepest dive into training from early on, I'm talking about April, have been events that I've done that are with the hospital or um, medical industry and the hospitality industry. So the most profound aha moments that I've learned about the new science of of um, Zoom fatigue and how we can avoid it and and why people um, are now starting to dread online because it's so poorly facilitated and managed on both the back end and the front end. All of that, so I was in this high level facilitation event um, through the University of Pennsylvania that was the um, science of participation. What makes, what are the psychological safe conditions in which you can truly get people to participate, which is what these platforms are created for. And without going into a super deep dive, we're not, we're not creating those conditions. In fact, we create, so most people's experience online is webinar format. Well, you cannot demand participation or you can't access and maximize the tools like the whiteboard or annotation or the self-organizing breakout rooms or all the new zap apps that have been created unless you understand how to design for participation. So it's a whole different skill set is my point. I'm not blaming teachers. I'm not blaming schools, but I have found it interesting in all of this study and all of these trainings that I've been the only educator represented. And that if you think about, if you believed your industry rests on people's experience, and I do believe that, then this should be your absolute number one priority beyond beyond physical safety. Yeah. How do you create psychological safe spaces to get where you need to get with yeah. kids? Or they're going to not only hate school, they're going to hate everything virtual, which is the rest of their life. Well, and, and you, that brings up another um, point in terms of this being a watershed moment. Um, as you know, I mean, I've most of my coverage has always been on the K-12 space, some higher ed as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, in the in the past couple of months, I've seen more and more as, 
uh, less conversation about those things being distinct and even corporate training and, and professional learning. Right. Um, right. Because uh, really all at the same time in 2007 with the iPhone and then with the social media right. platforms, we're all we're all pretty much the same age when it comes to the emotional maturity of, of using yeah. these platforms. We won't talk about this week, but I mean, that's just like, you know, we are just really in this new place and your techniques um, are important, not just for kids in, in, in grade school and high school or university, right? I mean, we're talking about a, a right, kind right. of a universal uh, learning that needs to go on, even in the professional space. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. Well, I think, so one of the slides that I use, if you just type in Zoom, the, like, uh, or if you type in, like, virtual learning or one of, you know, remote learning, and it's everything from is a disaster, is insane, is making me crazy, is making me exhausted. I hate it. I want to go back. I want to just crawl in a hole. And like the most disappointing thing is I, I want to quit. I just, I can't do this anymore. And it's literally a design issue. Just like learning has, this isn't necessarily new, but I think we've got this unique, incredible opportunity to unite as individuals and organizations and the, the technology can advance that if it's used right, but you but it's you don't accidentally discover this. The the platforms themselves are are changing. So doing an event, I did an event in the same day, one with a hundred people and one with two thousand people. All of those participation engagement strategies, you know, that I use, um, completely changed because the platforms themselves didn't didn't work for like the breakout rooms broke down because, and you can't have 28 people in a breakout room or you lose the power of a breakout room. So there's no way that anybody could know this now because we haven't had this context before. So um, I think it's interesting that organizations, which isn't shocking, are are jumping on this, are interested in this, are are talking about training because they aren't as tolerant as education of bad training in some respects, or at least at the conference level, I would say at the conference level, but we're still still doing the same thing we've always done with these platforms, which is just hold webinars and maybe have a couple people talk in the chat. So I just, I hate to see any technology underutilized or not showcased for its true transformative power. And it's like, I'm on like a mission to show what is possible, like, 90% of my sessions, I just do with a whiteboard. I know I don't have this like fancy million dollar Tony Robbins setup in the back and you, you speak to people heart to heart. So I'm, um, yeah, I think this is a world issue, but I think educators could lead it because we know how to facilitate learning. And so we could be the leaders in it. We shouldn't be the recipients of what, you know, business and industry learned. <laughs> and then maybe 10 years later, we don't have time like that to waste. Well, and I really like the um, the sentiment that I'm picking up from your from from what you're talking about in terms of uh, we should all just give each other a break, right? I mean, this this is yes. essentially the largest beta test yes. in the history of the world. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> and then yes. there is going to be failure yes. and um, there will continue to yep. be failure. I mean, isn't that a great trope in the in the tech industry? It's like, well, you can't do anything unless you Absolutely. failed five times. So, 
Absolutely. So educators should give themselves a break because this is a, a, a first yes. round with this. And I think we've made a lot of progress. I mean, I do too. I'm so impressed, so impressed with leaders trying new things, getting out of their comfort zone. So I, my promise that I make to any, whether I'm talking with five people or 5,000 people is my promise to you is to be fully, absolutely present. I'm bringing my best self to this. And I'm thoughtful about how every interaction impacts you. And I want this to be the best for us. And here's what I need from us, because that's the that's the change. It is not a one person show. It is like I say this all the time, but the smartest person in the room is the room. But you've got to activate and prepare and onboard the room to make such contributions, to participate in the level that you're going to be asking them to. And so what I found is people are very forgiving about imperfection and I'm never ever promising perfection because we're learning these tools as they're being made. We're driving the roads as they're being made, but I promise you my full presence and my full respect and that no matter what we do, you will be seen and you will be heard. And I will not take um, for granted the value that you have provided in this. And that's a different mindset than coming to the space like I've got this content to cover. <laughs> you guys sit back and I'm going to flip through my slides and I'm going to show a really bad video with two second delay and I'm going to not care if you're muted or if you can hear me or if you can see me like it's I think it's the most humane um it's the opportunity to be most human with each other and it's beautiful if it's done right. Give me your picture hmm. of the best case scenario. I, I, have, I have plenty of worst case scenarios here. <laughs> I feel yeah. like we're living in one right now. Um, but, but what's the best case scenario in, say, in, in five years uh, if both the industry and administrations and families um, embrace these technologies and whatever improvements they make uh, in those technologies? So I think the best case scenario is that we will continue to lead with this kind of courage and vulnerability. Because now, I mean, I have always, always been human first, but now is the time to lead with our humanity, to grab a hold of that heartbeat inside of us and lead with it. And it is that heart that brought us to the field in the first place. And for some time now, for over a decade, possibly more, we have been fighting to bring our hearts to work every day. And we've been fighting this crazy battle that it's either head or heart when it's always been an and. But I think that we, what do we want? Not, we reclaim what our core strength is. And we bring that to our classrooms. We bring that to our teams. We bring that to our school, connecting on deeper levels than we ever have been before and regenerating a new vision of what school is, of what education is. I truly believe this is our moment. I really do. And we're never going to get a moment like this again. And whether it came under these circumstances yeah, not. or not, we're here right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we're here now. And this is what we were made for. This is what teachers do. This is what we were born to do. So let's do it. Let's show what leading full force with our hearts is like and and scaling hope and scaling courage and scaling love and then of course scaling learning which is 
the the result of all that. Well, Angela, in, in most of these conversations, I've had to cajole some um, glass half full answers from my guests. Uh, you kind of yeah. gave me the day off here because <laughs> you, you are uh, you're, you're you're so positive and, and so energetic, and uh, you know I'm actually feeling pretty good about the situation now. So good. you should charge therapy I believe, rates. <laughs> like, yeah, I will. I believe. Well, the thing is, I have unwavering belief in teachers, and I have absolute unwavering belief in kids, and watching humans. Sometimes in the worst situations, we see the best of each other that doesn't necessarily come out. And like I always say, genius needs a reason to show up. Well, here yep. it is. <laughs> Here's our reason. And we need all kinds of genius on this. So I, I am here to help. And I'm here to remind you that it isn't about the new stuff. It's what you already know. And, and to bring that fully and no hiding and no holding it in. And I, in a, in a really bad time, like, even for me personally, I've actually never been more hopeful, which seems sort of crazy when you think about it. But it just, I just do. I just am. <laughs> yeah. Well, to finish up, let our listeners know where they can find you uh, if they want to uh, interact more with uh, your your positive work. Yeah. Just you. if you just type in you matter, Angela, you'll get to everything if you forget my last name. But it just, uh, you can reach out on my website. Everything that I have uh, um, virtually is Angela Myers. So AngelaMyers.com. If you want to get resources, Angela Myers at Gmail. If you want to reach out on Gmail, uh, every social network is Angela Myers. So um, definitely reach out, share your stories. Like I've been, I love every day spreading a story of um, just who we are as educators, who we are as leaders and I know it's hard to get that story to the top because negative wins, but I'm I am fierce in the battle against negative and and there's way too much good and way too much um, to be proud of to let those stories overshadow what I see every single day. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Well, Angela, thanks again for your time. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, yes. for uh, for tuning in to this latest episode, and I hope you uh, click around and find another episode soon. Yes. Thanks, Kevin. Bye, everybody.